Uh, come on and bless the Lord for the blood. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on and give God praise for the blood. Amen. Like you know how powerful it is. Hallelujah. Amen. We bless the Lord on today and we thank him. We thank him for his blood. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we just honor you and praise you, God. We bless you. This day, this opportunity to come into your presence and to hear from you as a corporate body. God, at this point in time, we stand attentive on one accord. God, desiring your anointing to fall on this house like never before, God. God, we stand as yielded vessels to you, God. Open, God. Desiring you to pour into us that which will make us stronger and wiser. God, that your kingdom might be expanded, God. God, I thank you that the words that come from my mouth are not mine, but yours, God. God, that a word is spoken in here that makes a difference in somebody's life. Do what only you can do in this house today, God. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse uh, 13. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. It says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Now go to chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. And it reads, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Amen. This morning, I'd like to use for a thought, this time is different. Amen. I'm going to say that one more time. This time is different. Turn to your neighbor to your right and say, neighbor, this time is different. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, neighbor. This time is different. Amen. Amen. Come on and give God some praise in this house. Amen. Amen. Tell him this time is different. This time is different. Amen. Have you ever received a word from the Lord and found yourself anxiously waiting for his manifestation? We hear from God and we say, God, I'm eagerly anticipating the man the manifestation of this word. Have you ever received a word from the Lord? And that word was similar to a word that you had heard before. And again found yourself anxiously waiting for the manifestation. I'm going to say that again. Have you ever received a word from the Lord that was similar to a word that you had heard before? 
And again, you found yourself waiting for the manifestation. It's a wonderful feeling, a wonderful experience to be in the presence of God uh, amongst the brothers and sisters and hear a word go forth that you've heard before. Amen. Some call it confirmation. Amen. That what God has said, amen, is going to happen. But in all situations, I find myself waiting for the manifestation of that word. Has anyone ever told you that they were going to do something and you have heard it so many times before? Come on, y'all, go with me for a minute. Elder Hoskins, has anyone ever told you that they were going to do something and you've heard it so many times before that now you've become numb in its hearing. Come on, let's work this thing out this morning. Amen. Have you ever been told something? And you hear it and you say, well, I've heard that before. Yeah, right. We've become so familiar with the delivery that the significance of the message has now become diminished. Bishop preached a message on last Sunday. Powerful message. But have you heard it before? We become so familiar with the delivery of that message that its significance now does not impact us the way it did the first time we heard it. Oftentimes, we arrive at this point due to missed expectations or unbelief that has somehow hindered our ability to see what we've heard. The reality is when you hear a word, when you hear a word from God, what's the first thing you do? You begin to look for that thing to happen, don't you? Huh? And, and the thing, you don't want it to happen later. You want it to happen sooner. Huh? I, I'm not talking about the delayed word. I'm talking about the right now word. Has anybody experienced or are you experiencing a right now word? That God, where I am right now, I need a word for this situation. And the thing is, when we find ourselves in that place, in that situation, the, the, the challenge for us is not in the hearing of the word. It's in what happens after the hearing of the word that sometimes keeps us trapped where we are. The reality is, as long as we do the same thing, we're going to get the same results. Somewhere, a fairy tale notion has crept into our minds that says when God speaks a word, he's going to supernaturally send down some fairy dust and make that happen. Wouldn't it be easy if that was all, if that was how God operated? If that was how God worked? If God said he, he, he's, go, he's going to release us from all debt and all we have to do is sit down and wait for the dust to come raining down and all of a sudden our debt is gone. All you have to do is check your account periodically just to watch that debt disappear. No, God does not work that way. He may do things in that manner, but it's for the intent of manifesting his power and his glory and who he is for the unbeliever, not the believer. The signs and wonders that we saw in the Old Testament that we see today are not for the believers, they're for the unbelievers. God is immutable. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, 
and forevermore. Yet as believers, many of us go through cycles in our relationship with God where we find ourselves hearing the same thing over and over again. Huh? Have any of you in here ever gone through cycles? Or are you going through cycles? Some may be going through cycles right now. Where you're hearing the same thing over and over again. Doesn't that get tiring? When you're dealing with people, and you're dealing with people who are going through cycles, doesn't it get tiring to hear the same thing over and over and over again, <coughs> thankfully, God does not give up on us. Can you imagine how many times we fall and we say, God, I'm not going to do it again. And as soon as we get up, we take five steps and find ourselves right back where we were. Only to say, God, I'm not going to do it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, this time is different. <laughs> Consider the exodus from Egypt. What was normally a three-day journey took the children of Israel 40 years to accomplish. Why? Because of their preparedness. We experienced delayed manifestations because God is waiting for us to be prepared. And a lot of times you hear people talk about this, it's a new season. God is taking, God is taking you into a new season. And, and the, the thing is, is it that God is bringing, is, is it that God is causing something new? Or we have finally positioned ourselves to experience what God has already done. So it may be a new season for us, but is it a new season for God? If God, this is something that God has already done. God has already set this thing in motion. He's already set it in place. God, listen, we are not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. So when it comes to entering into a new season, it is not a matter of what God is about to do because God has already done it. It's a matter of you preparing yourself to receive what it is that God has already done. If God has already done this thing, if this is a finished work, then there's nothing else that God has to do. God only has to wait on me to get myself ready to walk into what it is that he's already prepared for me. Jesus said, I'm going to a place where that, that I'm, I'm preparing a place for you, right? Everything that every work that God has done in terms of us, is a finished word. Does his word not say that he, he will perfect that which concerns us? So if it's a finished word, then everything that, that God intends for me, as, I'm enter, as, as I enter into it, it depends on my preparedness and my willingness to walk into it. And in order for us to do that, there are some challenges that we face. I mean, it's comfortable being where we are, isn't it? Huh? How many of you in here are comfortable? Huh? Little baby raised her hand. But, <laughs> huh? But, but truth be told, a lot, a lot of believers are comfortable where they are. Are comfortable in the sense that they're waiting on God to do everything. I mean, but when it comes to something new, all of us like new things, don't we? Huh? Uh, raise your hand if you like new things. Huh? What is new? What is new? New is something that you haven't had before, isn't it? Huh? New is new. Right? 
Think about how you feel, how you act when you get something new. You go out, you, you get a bonus at work, and you go out and you buy yourself a new dress to wear to church on Sunday. You can't wait till Sunday. Yeah. I remember when I was when we were kids, and, and back then, you know, everybody got an Easter suit. All the little boys got an Easter suit, and all the little girls got an Easter dress. And you go get your Easter, you go get your Easter suit early. You know, my dad would take me and my brother to Mr. K in downtown Gastonia. Y'all, those of you in Gaston, you know about Mr. K. So, <laughs> you know, you know, old, old white, bald-headed white man. He, he just he walked around and he knew my he knew my dad on first name basis. He go to Mr. K and we pick out that suit and 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 the the thing about picking out the suit was it all at the bottom of it always had to be altered. So you pick it out and before you left the store, you want to glance back and look at that suit because it was new. Right? And you had to wait. You had to wait for them to finish it to go pick it up. And then when your parents would go get it, they bring it back and you hang it up in the closet. And, and, and all the way up until Easter, you find yourself going, opening the closet, and just looking at your suit. So I can't wait till I can put on my Easter suit. You get up early Easter Sunday morning. Huh? Why? To put on your Easter suit. Why? Because you know you're going to look good. Why? Because you got something what? You got something new. Huh? Think, think about. You know, when you get a new car, you want to drive everywhere, don't you? Huh? You want to drive everywhere, don't you? Wash, wash it, wash it three times a week. Huh? Let a let a let a bird come back, let a bird fly over and drop something on you, and you got to turn into the car wash. Oh no, not on my new car. Is that right? Why? Because it's new to us. Right? And, and we, we act that way because we can identify with the newness of it from a sensory perspective or from a tangible perspective. You can say it. Why? Because after a year that you've had that car, do you still wash that car three times a week? No. Let a bird fly by and drop something on it? You got a five-drop limit. I'm not washing it till I've got it. <laughs> One I can deal with. I got a five-drop limit, Trevor. Once, once I get to the fifth drop, then I got to turn into the car wash and wash it off. Why? Because the newness of what you've experienced has now worn off. And there's a danger in, 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 in your perspective when it comes to what's new. And when it comes to what God is doing in your life, think back to when you were saved and the zeal and the, the excitement that you had. You wanted everybody to get saved. Now, fast forward 15 years later. Do you still have that same newness of what it is that God has done in your life? Do you still view him the same way? Because now that this thing, I've been in this thing for a while, because now that I've been in this thing for, I'm a little bit more familiar and a little bit more comfortable with what God, with who God is and what God does in my life. Now, when I translate that to what God is personally doing in my life and the word that God is speaking in my life, the more I hear a word, the more familiar I become with that word. And the more familiar I become with that word, the less likely I am to cause to allow that word to be activated in my life and cause me to move. The, the, more, the more I hear that God intends to prosper me, the more I hear that God intends to heal me, and the, 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 more, the more frequent that, that, it, that I, I, I don't move on that word, then the more numb I become to that word. 
And I, it's not that I get to a point where I don't believe God. It's that I get to a point that if this word is going to happen in my life, God has got to do it. If this word is going to happen in my life, then God has got to do it. Because where I am right now, I can't move. Because I've heard it. And I've heard it. And I've heard it so much that I don't know what to do. You can hear something so much that you don't know what to do. So if this thing is going to happen, this time it's got to be different. I was reflecting on Bishop's message on last Sunday. And then my mind went to every year when we have a theme for the year. It's always the same resounding message. Why? When it comes to what God speaks into the lives of the believers, is it that we are waiting on God to move or God is waiting on us to move? Because if God's word is true, if God's word is true, then I should be seeing and experiencing newness on a regular basis. If what God has said in his word can really happen, I should experiencing something different all of the time, this time is different. Because the reality is when all of us look at our situations, how many of you feel or know that things could be better? Huh? Huh? When it comes to all of our individual situations, how many of us really know things should be better? And when we look at all of our situations and the fact that we are believers and we know what God has said in his word, how many of us should have an assurance that Things should be different. All of us are not where we're supposed to be. But all of us should be progressing to where God wants us to be. And that progression should be an experience of newness in our lives. I mean, think about this. Why is it that sometimes when, when, when we come in to worship together, sometimes the praise team has to pump everybody up? Did we experience any newness over our, over our past week? Turn to your neighbor and say, this time is different. <clears throat> Three things that hinder us in responding to a revelatory word from God. The first one is where we are. Second thing is what motivates us. And the third thing is what we do. 
I mean, how many of us would like to experience something new? But not from a perspective, not, not, not from the standpoint of something you can see or touch, but experiencing something new as it relates to a difference in who you are. Paul said in the book of Philippians, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And in order for you to do that, you've got to be able to know where you are. How, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You've got to know where you are. And see, when you're, you've got, in order to, to know where you are, you've, where you are, you are positioned in between what's behind you and what's in front of you. And you have two options. You can either look back or you can look forward. But either way, whichever one you do is going to determine what happens next in your life. Are you following me? You're positioned in between where, you, where you've been and where you're going. And if you continue to look back at where you've been, you're not going to see where you're going. Hence, you won't go anywhere. But if you continue to look at where you're going, you continue to look forward, you're always seeing what's in front of you, so you're in a position to progress. Amen? Now, what, what causes people to look back? What causes people to look back? Hurt, disappointment, condemnation. Those are the types of things that cause you to look back at where you've been. And that is a trap of the enemy to keep you where you are to keep you from progressing. My inability to see myself as God sees me hinders me from becoming who it is God wants me to be. Does that make sense? And, 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 and the proper perspective as it relates to, who, to where we are can be traced all the way back to the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because what Christ did was he became the substitute, sacrifice for our sins, redeeming us and putting us back into right fellowship with God. Is that right? Now, that is in direct contradiction. That is in direct contradiction to your hurt, to your disappointment, and in direct contradiction to condemnation. Paul said, there is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I don't experience condemnation anymore, if there's nothing that can keep me from where I am in Christ Jesus, then what should be at the focal point of my vision is what lies in front of me and, what, and not what lies behind me. You cannot be condemned for where you're going. Huh? Can anybody condemn you for where you're going? Huh? Think about it. How can I experience hurt for where I'm, how can I be hurt from where I've not been? How can I be disappointed in what I've not experienced? Huh? Can you? So, so, exactly. So I have an expectation that what I'm going to experience in God is not hurt. What, where I'm positioned in God is not a place of hurt. It's not a place of disappointment. It's not a place of condemnation. But it is, a place, it is a place where I'm in right fellowship with him. And if I'm in right fellowship with him, I've been redeemed, I've been reconciled, I've been reconciled to him. Is there anything that can be said or done that can keep me from moving forward? That's why Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me and pressing forward to those things that, that are before me. Why? Because listen... What, what did God say in his word? Behold, I have set before you an open what? 
How many of you believe that God has an open door in front of you? Huh? Then what are we waiting on? If God has set an open door, if this door is open, if this door is open to me, what sense does it make to turn my back to the door and look at what somebody did to me 15 years ago? If this door is open before me and what God has me in front of the door, what sense does it make to turn my back and listen to what somebody says about me being able to walk through the door? Are you hearing me? If God has set before you an open door, what prohibits you from walking through that door? He didn't say an open door with a child gate in front of it. Huh? huh? One of those even flow gates huh, that your parents put up so you can't get through the door. No, it is an open door. And all you have to do is determine that I'm going to walk through that door. But in order for you to walk through that door, because the open door has been set before you since God established his word, you've got to say, this time is different. I've been looking back too long. This time is different. This time is different. I don't care about what I, I, listen, I know I've been hearing what they've said about me, but this time is different. I know how I might feel right now, but somewhere in my soul, in my spirit, I've got to determine that this time is different. And if this time is different, I've got to do something different. And the first thing that I have to do is look at myself in a different way. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I can have what God says I can have. And I can go where God says I can go. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the situation looks like. This time is different. I don't care how many times I've gone through this cycle over and over and over again. It doesn't even matter to me how many times I've heard God speak this word and I did not move. This time is different. Where are you? Because an open door has been set before you. Are you facing the door or is your back to the door? Second thing, what motivates you? What motivates you? Because the reality is, we don't do anything unless we're motivated to do it. We don't do anything unless we're motivated to do it. What motivates you? We we were driving back last night from Florida. I was tired. I was tired. I was. I wasn't sleepy. I was just tired. Brother Steve, I had taken my shoes off. I had taken one sock off. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. Yeah. But Elder, I was driving, and my foot was itching. Every once in a while, I reached down and scratched my foot. My mom said, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. But you know what? I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times I said, you know what? I looked over at my wife, and I, and I said, you know, I, I need to ask her to drive. But you know what, Brother Bowie? I was motivated. Huh? Why? Why? Because huh? I'm the man. Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Huh? Huh? You, you with me? Huh? You with me? No, nah, you don't need to drive. I got this. I got this. Huh? Look, I was popping gum. I was eating jelly beans. I was eating cookies. 
I probably gained five pounds on vacation, but it wasn't from eating when I got there. It was from eating when I was driving. Huh? Huh, Junior, I look over my wife and her eyes because she's like, I don't, I, I just, I don't sleep on, on, on road trips. I look over there, her eyes closed. <laughs> and look, look, I drive a little bit, and then she open her eyes and look, and then, and then look, whenever she do that, the, the thought of asking her to drive would go away from me. And the thing is, it would creep up, it would creep back up, and then when I look over, she'd be asleep again. And, and look, I, and, and I, didn't, I didn't have a, I was having a man moment. And it wasn't enough for me to wake her up and say, I need you to drive. No, I got this. Now, and I do that, I do that until, until you know, if we hit, if we hit the little, you know, we hit that thing on the side, yeah, then, hey, hey, I need to, hey, you're going to have to drive. You know, I'm not going to put my family in danger, but I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to do all I can to make sure I'm in that place. Huh? Are you following me? Huh? And, and see, what, what motivates you? What motivates you to be where you are? And to do what you do, because that goes a long way in you getting to a point where you're saying, this time is different. Because you have to be motivated for change to take place. And you have to be motivated to finally believe that word that God has been speaking to you over and over and over again. Because the reality is he may have been saying that word. He may have been speaking that word for years. And for years you didn't move. But at some point you got to say, this time is different. This time is different. And it comes down to seeking him. Because the more you seek him, the more you seek him, the more encouraged you become to say, you know what, I can do this thing. Because the reality is, remember, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. Because behind, through that door is a finished work. Through that door is a finished work. And you've got to be motivated to see that finished work. Huh? Can you, can you imagine? If God could make physically visible to us, if he could make physically visible to us what he's done in the spirit, it would make it that much easier. Huh? If I could look through that door and physically see what God has already done, see the finished work, it would make it that much easier to walk through, wouldn't it? Huh? That's why Paul said, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Because in the spirit, where is God? God is in the spirit. God is not in the natural. If God made, if God revealed that to us in the natural, then God would be a natural God to us. But his intent, his intent in reconciling us back to him is bring us into a point where we experience him as who he is. And by nature, he is a spiritual being. By nature, we are spiritual beings. So to seek for our existence to be completely in the natural would be, would be a, a, a false reality of who we really are. So God's intent is for us to seek him and to be so intertwined in fellowship with him that what we begin to see in the spirit is now made manifest in the natural. So that when that open door is set before you, you have a spiritual sight that allows you to see God's finished work in spite of everything else. You've got to be able to see. And the only way that you can acquire that type of sight is through a relationship with him where he says, delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. 
where he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Are you following me? And the last thing, the last thing is a, is a little slogan I'd like to use from work. One of our departments has a song in the house. It's called Don't Be the Reason. Don't Be the Reason. And it, it, it was coined. They came up with the slogan from a yearly audit we have. And it's a critical audit. And it's an audit that has a potential to shut you down. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into play when it comes to being ready for this audit. So between shifts and between departments and, and all of that, uh, they came up, this is what they began to, began to say. Don't be the reason, dot, dot, dot. And, and what they meant was don't be the reason that we don't pass this audit. And it's taken off so now that they got T-shirts that say don't be the reason. They got hats that say don't be the reason. I mean, they just, you know, that's, that's what we do. If we, if we don't give you anything, we'll give you a T-shirt. You know, I, I, I probably got two drawers full of T-shirts. And they all have, you know. But, but <laughs> we save people money so they can live better. Don't play. Don't play. All right. All right. And they going to hook me up this Thursday too, so don't play. <laughs> two things, you know, two things I look for, being able to log on to my computer in the morning and every two weeks at direct deposit. <laughs> long as I got those, we good. But don't be the reason. Don't be the reason. Don't be the reason you don't experience everything that God has for you. And the thing is, the reality is, as it is our nature, it is our nature to reject responsibility. It is our nature to shift accountability. It is our nature to do these things. Right? Who did that? Not me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what Adam said. Adam said, it's that woman you get. I mean, it's... It's seven people that live in my house. Logan and Erica and Ebony and Jonathan and Joshua and not me and I don't know. <laughs> now, not me and I don't know are probably the two most um, <laughs> inexpensive dependents. I mean, they got no social security number. They're not in school. They just, you know, they just cohabitate with us. Uh, who did that? Not me. Where is this? I don't know. So by, by habit, huh, if I want to know who did it, not me. Where are you? Come here right now. <laughs> but by, it's by nature. By nature, we... we, we, we we don't accept responsibility and we shift accountability. Huh? I held the house and said, Adam, Adam did it first. He said, that woman you gave me. Huh? But at some point, we have to accept responsibility and take accountability and be accountable. And when we accept responsibility and are accountable for where we are, and what we do, then we have really positioned ourselves to walk through that open door. So when I say don't be the reason, 
Don't be the reason in your inability to accept responsibility and, and, and shift accountability for why you don't experience everything that God has for you. And a, and a key in that is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. What you thinking? What are you thinking? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and said, what are you thinking? And then, and what were you thinking? And then they called me up real quick and said, can you tell I don't know to come over? I'm in a jam. <laughs> sure, I'll send them right over. So I don't know, Russia's right over to where they are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But see, when you, when, you get, when you get to an understanding, you know what? This is my fault. This is my fault. God didn't do this. My mama didn't do this. My daddy didn't do this. My second grade substitute teacher that I had for two days didn't do this. This is my fault. This is me. Nobody else. It's me. I am responsible for me. I'm responsible for me, nobody else. And I am accountable to God. Nobody else. It's me. It's me. And when I accept responsibility for me and come to a determination that is nobody else's fault, now you've positioned yourself for God to do something amazing in your life. But I have to warn you. I have to warn you. Accepting responsibility and being accountable is probably the toughest of the three. It's easy to recognize where you are. It's easy to recognize where you are. It's easy, Elder Hoskins, to, to sit down and reflect on what motivates you. But the third thing, as far as don't be the reason, puts complete responsibility and accountability on your hands. That means in spite of what's said and in spite of what's done, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for what I say. I am responsible. For what I do. I am responsible for where I go. I am responsible for my attitude. I am responsible for my actions. And I accept full responsibility because I am accountable to God. And the thing is, when, when we fail to realize that ultimately we're accountable to God, that puts us in a position where you don't have to accept responsibility. I'm going to say it again. When, 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 you, when you don't fully embrace the fact that you're accountable to God, then it makes it much easier to reject responsibility and say it's somebody else's fault. Have you ever said, I'm not going to do this until they do this. Have you ever said, I'm not going to act until they act? I'm not going to apologize until they apologize. Or better yet, I am not going to, to, to act this way. I am not going to love. Huh? Until they ask, until they apologize to me. Huh? And I'm not talking about loving from a distance. I'm talking about opening up your heart and being led by the Spirit 
to love the way God wants you to love and allow his spirit to move on. See, see what happens is, and see, when we're not responsible and we're not accountable, then we put up all these little walls that say, you know, that say, I'm not going to move until. It's, it's like in math, those if-then statements. You remember if-then. If, if this happens, then this, then this. It's like an if-then statement. I'm not going to do this until. And see, when you do that, you're not blocking yourself. You're blocking God from moving in that situation. And when you block God from moving in that situation, you're stunting your growth. And not only are you stunting your growth, but what you've done is you have turned your back. You've turned your back to that open door. Don't be the reason. Don't be the reason. And that's the, tough, that's the toughest one because in order for you to not be the reason, it requires you to swallow your pride. It requires you to swallow your pride. And the thing is, you never know what God is going to do. And sometimes we don't know what God is going to do until God actually does it. And we sit back and look and say, wow, I didn't know he was going to do that. But you never know how he's going to work it out. That's why it's so important that when it comes to how we think, we think on things that are lovely, on things that are pure, on things that are of good report. Why do we think on these things? Because twofold. They exhibit the nature of God. And they exhibit what's set before you. They reflect what's set before you. They reflect the nature of God. And they reflect what's set before you. And if you can think on those things in the midst of everything else that's going on around you, I promise you, this time will be different. All of us in our lives have gone through things over again, sometimes over and over again, sometimes over and over and over again. But at some point, at some point, you have to determine this time is going to be different. And this is not a magical message. I don't have any dust in my pocket that I'm going to. I'm not going to wave a I'm not going to wave a napkin like this and say in 5 seconds. No. This is this is one I pray that you will meditate on. This is a this is a word that I pray has taken root in your spirit. So the next time you will say this time is different. And I promise you God is not a man that he should lie. His word is true. His word is true. He cannot lie. And if you believe God, I promise you, this time will be different. Let's stand to our feet.